My name is Carissa, and I'm the UFCVM communications intern and pre-vet student. Learning to say no and prioritizing mental health as well as family time is challenging in any profession, but can be seemingly impossible in one where lives depend on your availability. Dr. Fagan and Alex Avellino continue a long-going conversation centered on work-life balance and boundaries. Welcome to the Pre-Vet Podcast. I'm Alex Avellino, your tour guide on the journey to becoming a veterinarian. Listen along as we provide you with tips, tricks, and tales on applying to veterinary school. Welcome back to the Pre-Vet Podcast. I'm Alex Avellino, and we are continuing on our discussion about the personal people skills from the VEMCAST Letters of Recommendation. Today, we are talking about one of the probably one of the biggest topics that we talk about in vet med, and that's work-life balance and boundaries. And today we have Dr. Raquel Fagan on the show. Dr. Fagan, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. Fun fact about Dr. F, her son, uh, Kyle Fox, is in the class of 2025. And so he has been on the show before too. So he is a legacy and his mom (laughs) is here. And so we get to find out how you're balancing it all. Before we do, will you tell us where you went to undergrad, where you went to vet school, and then what post-vet school career looked like. Awesome. So that's easy. I went to University of Florida, double double degree. So um, yeah, it's awesome. And I actually have my 30-year reunion this year for vet school. For tw- yeah. So so I'm a 1993 grad. That's exciting. Are you yeah. going to go for the um, reunion? Oh, yeah. I think we're going to try to do something. I'm not sure what it is yet. We're just starting to set the little feelers out. But um, yeah, wow. that's exciting. So after vet school, mm-hmm. what did the career path look like? How did we get where we are today? So my very first job was down in Southwest Florida. Um, I was there for a year and a half. It wasn't, um, it was a good learning experience. The area that I was in was not a great place for a 25-year-old. It was an older community, and I just was not finding friends my age and things like that. So I wanted something where I had more of a community that I could get involved in. So I moved to Apopka. Um, I went to a private practitioner, and I was there for 10 and a half years. So um, he saw me through my marriage. He saw me through my kids. <laughs> um, and just it was amazing. Um, learned so much from him. Um, has always been a mentor and just a great experience. Um, then we come to kind of what we're talking about today, having the kids and them starting to get active in social activities and sports and stuff. And I wanted to be able to be there for them. So I looked for a job where I didn't have to work weekends. And so I ended up in the villages where it was basically Monday through Friday because everybody's retired and they don't need you on the weekends. So I was there for 11 years and a practice came up that was for sale And I said, okay, well, let's do this. (laughs) Let's jump into practice ownership. And it was the best, best, best decision I've ever made. Um, We've had it for six and a half years now. It was actually owned by Gator grads. They basically got married in school, came out of school, built their practice. Wow. Um, So it was, you know, it had been there 32 years, I want to say, when I bought it. And... um, just amazing. I mean, we, the community absorbed us. We've just, we've grown the business, almost doubled it in the six years. Um, We are me, plus I have two fantastic relief veterinarians that are kind of pretty much there on certain days. Um, I would love to find someone that is a full-time, so Uh-oh, listen little up, plug. Everyone. <laughs> <laughs> 
but um, it's it's just been amazing. It's I get to do it my way. Oh so, my gosh, yeah, that's, that's for some. That is, I think, a huge dream for a lot of folks. And some of the things you're saying, like you had children, you now own a practice. These are things that a lot of folks want to do. Mm-hmm. So can we just break down the timeline a little bit more? You graduated vet school, no kids yet. No kids yet. Nope. Did you ever think about having kids while in vet school? No, okay. abso- absolutely not. <laughs> no way. And I'm sure you had some classmates who did that. Um, or saw or saw some people maybe had, in, in upper or lower classes. So we had one. Um, one girl, I think, golly, that was a long time ago, that I remember was pregnant in my class. Mm-hmm. And I want to say then she dropped down to the next class below okay. us. I want to say she might have gotten pregnant again. And I don't know yeah. where it went from there. Um, we had several that were married mm-hmm. couples in mm-hmm. school. Um, but that was, I, from what I can remember, that's the only one okay. that actually had a child. So we would say, like, for some folks, doable. But for you, you were like, I'm going to wait. I'm no. going to graduate. No. I was, you know, I was still... I was still young and having fun and yeah. And so then how many years post grad did you have Kyle? Okay, so he was born in 1998. So makes me feel so old. Yeah. Okay. So I was 31. 31 for our first for boy. For our first boy. Okay. Yeah. And so that would have been in eight so 5 years after graduation. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now, do you feel like that was a great move for you because you were like settled and comfortable? Yeah, I was really happy in my job. I I'd been in my job for about um a year when I met my husband and um, we just knew it was right. Mm -hmm. And we got married in 97. Didn't think Kyle would come along that fast, but we were married and then he came along fast. But there was a good timing because I had been out in practice enough Mm -hmm. that I kind of sort of went to a little bit of a part-time. I was working, uh, let's see, I took a day and a half off during the week and I worked on Saturdays. We were open Saturday morning. So um, you know, that was good because then my husband could watch him on the weekends. I still had a day and a half during the week, and that was pretty good. And then the second one came along two years later. Um, again, I was still just working. You know, I still had the day and a half, and that was great. My sister-in-law was watching the kids, so we didn't have to worry about daycare. Um, when they were when Kyle was three, he went into a preschool program that was literally a block down the road, so I could go watch his little preschool programs and stuff like that. Um but then things started to change when they got five, six, seven, when they started doing sports and right. soccer. Well, and Kyle's episode on the season, his season is about extracurricular activities. Yeah. He is very involved. Yeah. So would you say that was a value for you to be, you, you mentioned like you wanted to be there. Yeah. So then how would we, how did you make that work? Do you think it's changed too over time? Because that would have been what, like 10, 15 years ago when he was starting to get active. Yeah. Do we feel like expectations have changed in a good, bad way? Well, you know, you have to look at veterinary medicine as a whole. Um, I mean, we've seen the flop from more men in the field to way more women in the field. A hundred percent. And not to be, you know, I, I, I still think women are seen as the caregivers and the child raisers. And I think that's where it's a little bit of a hard decision to make because, you want to do what you want to do. I went to school for so long to do what I love yeah, doing, right. but I also wanted to be there for my kids. And yeah. so sometimes you have to find that balance. And I'm really proud of the fact that when I leave work, I leave work. Like I don't carry it with but me. But how? 
What is the secret? How are you doing it? Because so many people are not able to do that. Yeah, so number one, um, it, maybe it's easier because I, I own a practice now, but literally the last appointment that is scheduled is 445. And our doors close at six. And if somebody calls at 530 and their dog got hit by a car, they go to the emergency clinic. Right. Um, if they so call boundaries with that. And their dog's been vomiting all day. They go to the emergency clinic. Mm-hmm. It's an itchy dog. That's not an emergency. You come in the, the next day. Yeah. Um, yeah. Is there wiggle room? Of course there's wiggle mm-hmm. room. But every case is individual and they come to me and ask me and it's my choice. And, you know, some people may not like that, but in the flip side of that, you've sat and watched your dog all day and you call me at 430. 100%. That's not poor planning happen. on their part. Your poor planning on your part does not make it my emergency. No, it does not. And I think you just have to get used to saying that. Like that, so many times, you know, you hear that veterinary technicians hate their jobs because they're there till, you know, they're supposed to leave at six or they're till eight o'clock at night because the veteran took a, you know, 530 emergency. Well, shame on them. Yeah. Because everybody has a life. And... When the kids were busy, I mean, we had to hit the soccer field by six, seven o'clock at night. So that means I'm out of there at five. So you have to make those boundaries and you have to stick to them. And it's hard. I mean, it's it is hard. Did it come? Has it come naturally to you, or was it a learned skill? Like, have you it always was learned? Okay, yeah, it was learned. Okay. I, I can't tell you there were times where I would go pick the kids up from school and bring them back to the office because I had to do a C-section. Mm-hmm. I literally did a C-section. Told the boys. Sit there on the floor. Your job is to make sure the puppies don't get out of the basket. Oh my and these two little boys sat there and kept these little babies from getting out of the basket. So they've been there. You know, if they were sick, they came with me to work. Um, so I was able to balance it. I don't know that there's a really magic way I did it. Mm-hmm. I just decided that my job was not going to become all I was. Yeah. Oh, yes. Like, like That's my job huge. as a mom was first. I love what I do. I would never, as my husband now says, it's in my DNA. Um, I would never want to do anything else. I'm still love every day that I go to work, but I'm so proud of the job I did as a mom as well. And I was there and, you know, if they needed me, I was there. Yeah. You know, well, it sounds like you're talking about kind of values and identities. And yeah. so my question to you might be, and you, and what I hear you saying is like, I don't want to be defined by my job, even though it's what I love. Mm-hmm. So if somebody asked you, who are you? Like, what are the four main qualities, values? What would you say they are? Because to me, I'm hearing veterinarian and mom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you have any other ones that might come to mind? Um, like anything of hobbies or, or anything of those kinds of things? Oh, I'm a huge reader. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so if we did veterinarian mom and reader, can uh-huh. you put them in order of importance or are they all on the same level? Oh, gosh. Um, hmm. I would say I would say family is first. Okay. And I would say mom slash wife. Yeah. Um, as that, I have, I have a new husband. Well, we're nine years. It's not new husband. but And I have four additional kids involved. Oh, wow. Okay. So we have a great blended family. And, you know, it, it's always, if, if a kid calls, we're there. Reason a lot of students have issues with saying no is they're afraid about the repercussions. Like, what's going to happen? What well, would you say to that? So, and, and, you know, I mean, there's been a big change too because 
when I got out of school, we didn't have as many emergency clinics. We didn't have specialty hospitals. We didn't have the stuff that we have today. Okay. Um, so I did have to pull some on-call shifts. And I think the new graduates coming out or pre-vet students or whatever, I'm not saying they have to get in there and, like, pay their dues. Mm. But I think they can't go in and just say, I'm getting off at 5, I'm not working past 5, I'm not doing any emergencies, I'm not doing that. calls. I, I think you, you're you coming out brand new. You've probably done maybe four spays. You need to, to yes, get you're going to be belt. smart. You need to get some under your belt. Mm-hmm. And I, I see the starting salaries and they want, you know, these, Everything. these signing bonuses and commission. And I'm like, you... You should you, you have to earn it. You have to earn that. Mm-hmm. Like if you tell me you want a hundred thousand dollars and twenty five percent commission rate, then that means you have to pull in for me six hundred thousand dollars a year. Well, that's and fair. You have you have no idea that you can pull that in yet. That's fair. Okay, so let's. I, I like where this is going here. So you mentioned like someday you'd like to hire like mm-hmm. a full time vet in your practice. So let's talk about if you're going to hire somebody mm-hmm. and they're coming in wanting this kind of work-life balance like how are you approaching that conversation are you telling them like here are the numbers here's the expectations what does that look like so i i love i i i swear i was talking to my stepdaughter the other day and she was like she was excited about the podcast and she was like i see you after you're done doing medicine like you're gonna go in and you're gonna do stuff like this like you're gonna talk about how you've done what you've done so my expectations are yeah, you're going to work five days a week. You're going to work eight to five, eight to six, whatever, you know, whatever I do, you're going to do. Right. I mean, that's that's only fair. But we're going to we're going to evaluate things after a month, after three Thank months, God. after six months. Yes. You know, you're not going to I'm not going to let you fly by yourself and come in and do your first spay on a client's dog. You're going to see one, do one, teach one. I love the see one, do one, teach one <laughs> because method. Because that's how you have to do it. You you can't just expect that in school you're going to learn everything there is, especially if you're going into general practice. Mm-hmm. And do you think that having that balance helps you avoid compassion fatigue, burnout? Yes. Have you experienced those things? I do. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know that I would ever say I have compassion fatigue. Okay. Um, I've gone to... I've gone to seminars because I want to be able to recognize it, not just in me, but in a staff member. Mm-hmm. And um, everything that they were talking about, I'm like, okay, I'm good. <laughs> now, does it hurt when we have to make that ultimate choice of ending a pet's life? 100%. Absolutely. It hurts every single one. But we we take every single one individually and every single one of us that has to do that we take our time where we can digest it and process it and and think about it and it's usually on my way home mm-hmm. where nobody's around where i can sit there and go okay we did everything we could and we let this pet go peacefully and i'm okay with that mm-hmm. so that to me i'm glad that we can relieve suffering in pets that that's how i look at that burnout Absolutely. Um, We'll get a bad run of just cancer cases, Mm -hmm. heart cases, Mm -hmm. ones you don't expect to pass away, pass away, Um, a bad surgical outcome. And I've been doing it long enough. I know when I'm burnt out, I can tell it. And so I just, I look at Jeff and I say, I need a couple extra days. And okay. we will, and we will work it out and we'll see if we can pull our relief vets in for a couple of days and I may not even have to go anywhere, 
I may just drive over to the beach by myself and sit on the beach. I may go see my mom. I just went and saw my mom two weeks ago. Um, and I was there. I left Friday afternoon. I came back Monday morning. So I was gone. And to recharge. To recharge. And literally did nothing. Didn't have to talk to anybody about veterinary medicine. Mm. And you just reboot. That's how you avoid and burnout. that's how you avoid that's burnout. That's how you avoid burnout. And so I'm trying to tell, you know, my staff members, because we do provide them paid time off and vacation time and, you know, everything. And I'm like, guys, use, use it. it. They won't use <laughs> Use it. And I finally think that they're getting it. I okay. think they thought we were going to be upset or mad mm. if they took time off. And I'm like, I'm more upset or mad if you don't, because then you're not going to be good for me. Oof. Then, And, and I've, I've heard them now say, can I just take a mental health day? Absolutely. Yes, take it. Please. So do yes. you find that in general, folks are not abusing that privilege? No. 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 Because the f- folks in this field are passionate. They want to yes. be here. They care too much, potentially. Yes. Uh, okay. So when, now when you said that you can feel it, that the burnout is coming, do you feel it physically, mentally? Like, how do you know so, to help some of the students who maybe want to figure out how to identify burnout for themselves? Yeah. So mine kind of starts with a waking up in the morning and not wanting to go exercise because I wake up and I start at exercise. And when I start to find two or three days where I'm like, I need that extra hour and a half of sleep or I need that extra 45 minutes of oh, sleep. Oh, girl, you're preaching to the choir right and now. And I'm like, you know what? If I'm not feeling like I want to get up. Something's happening. Something's happening. Okay. Or if I start to find myself wanting to eat everything in sight, <laughs> um, I'll start to go for the Cokes. I'll start to go for the sweets. I'll start to go for the pretzels and this and that and the other thing. Something's going on. Something's going on. Okay. And if I'm – and I'm not going to ever say that I don't ever want to go to work, but there's been days where, I mean, it's just been bad day after bad day after bad day. And you just sit there and go, I just, I just don't even want to go today. Mm -hmm. And then you're like, you know what, just get through. And I find too, I always have something planned in the future. Something fun? Fun. Yes. Yes. Okay. I love this idea that, because there will be bad days. There's oh, going to be some bad days. There are going to be bad days. In a row. But if yes. you have something to look forward to, that helps keep you going, but also to identify like, okay, I can't keep going right now. I need that break. Yeah. So we're talking beach. We're talking visiting mom. Mm-hmm. Anything else that works for you that maybe we can encourage these folks to try when they're starting to feel that burnout? You know what? I think you also just let everything go. I think I was kind of thinking, what what did I do when I was in school, mm. you know, to really help me? And I think you set a boundary of I'm going to be done at 11 o'clock at night. You know, I have class until five, whatever. I'm going to study. I'm going to get dinner. I'm going to have a really nice dinner. I'm going to take my time. And but at 11 o'clock, I'm done. Yeah. And I'm going to get a good night's sleep. I'm going to wake up the next morning. If I have a test, there's not anything I felt like I could ever learn. From 11 to staying up all night. I know. I'm just going to make myself sick. Right. So I just feel like you have to set yourself with boundaries. And then on the weekends, just give yourself a day to do nothing. Mm -hmm. I never missed a football game. Okay. A home football game. Yes. I never, in eight years, I never (laughs) missed a home football game. That was my release. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go and I'm going to cheer for the Gators. And that is, that was my day of not doing anything. Okay. And, and I had friends that didn't go to the games that right. they would sit home and study. And I'm like, nope, this not is not for you. Not for me. Okay. So I like this idea of 
students, you have to identify what your boundaries are going to be. If you know that after 11 p.m. you've got nothing left in the tank, why are we still pushing it? Mm -hmm. If you're a night owl and that works for you, amazing. But you have right. to find the things that yes. work for you, which takes trial and error. Oh, yeah. So yeah. in undergrad, what works for you might not work for you in vet school, yes. might not work for you in practice, but yes. be willing to give yourself a grace period. Yeah. But also, don't you think it's important, like we've been talking about, to have those other values? Because if all we valued was our career yep. and these freak things happen, we have nothing else to nothing look forward to, 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 to enjoy. And it becomes like just torture. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 What? big life advice would you have for these students about finding a good work-life balance and boundaries? What is something that they need to hear from you that maybe they could start doing today? Yeah, I think I think having a hobby yes. and what, whatever that is. I mean, it may be running. It may be going to the gym. It may be reading. It may be maybe you want to join a painting class. Maybe you want to, um, you know, you've got to have something outside of veterinary medicine you have like to. it can't be i want to go volunteer at the local shelter no something outside of veterinary medicine um i started i played tennis and and i've started to play pickleball a couple times people so love pickleball it's fun and you know it takes an hour there is nothing that you can learn in that hour that you can't just go out and laugh and have fun. I mean, re thank you. It's so, it really is like the idea that where people say they don't have enough time, like you have an hour. You have an hour. And it's going to make you stronger later. Yes. Okay. Yes. So getting a hobby, what could they do in a month to help them feel a little bit more like they can control their boundaries or they can start practicing saying no? What should they be doing? So if you like to, let's just pick reading for one thing. So... Ask people you know that are readers. I will. I I'm. I love volunteering books. So I like to read true crime. I like to read really deep, dark murder mysteries. Oh sure. So, um, you know, ask somebody. Put a note on Facebook. Put a note out on your vet school Facebook or whatever, and say, Hey, what's the, what's the best book somebody's read in the last six months? Oh, that's and fun. give yourself a month to read it. Oh, I love that. So you know, read for. Maybe you don't start out reading an hour every day. Maybe you start out giving yourself 15 minutes. 15 minutes. And then the next night you're like, wow, that was really good. So right. give yourself 30 minutes. Or working out, you don't have to start with going on a, a half, a, you know, 5K. No. Or maybe you say, oh, there's a 5K coming up. Maybe oh, I want to run that. So yeah. get that, download that app on your phone that mm -hmm. says, how do I run a 5K? And it'll it'll walk you through that. Oh, yeah, that's so, true. There is an app you know, for there's, everything. There's an app for everything. Yeah. But it's it's fine. You can't have somebody tell you what to do. Mm -hmm. You have to know it in yourself. I started when I was in school, I started cross stitching because that was just something stupid and mindless that I could just sit there and do. My husband plays solitaire on his phone. It's totally mindless. He can just sit there and carry on a conversation with me, carry on a conversation with anybody, but he's playing solitaire, mm -hmm. you know, um, Something to do something to keep to your do. mind off of animals. Yes. Okay. Yes. And I don't read animal books. Like, <laughs> if there's an animal in it, that's great. But I don't search out right. books that have animals Not in them. Not for pleasure. Not no. for pleasure. Right. No. And then a year from now, where do we hope these future veterinarians are with their work-life balance? I hope they will understand that it's okay to take a day off, that it's okay to say, I want to binge watch Criminal Minds tonight, and that's okay. Nobody, nobody's going to yell at you. Nobody's going to get mad at you. If they do, they're not the right fit. And if they do, you know what? I got a D in veterinary pharmacology. Did you? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 
And, and here we are, 30 we years are. later. You know, I don't have to I don't have to memorize a drug. I go look it up. Well, I am really excited about encouraging these folks to find a good work-life balance, but what I also heard, uh, my big takeaway is you kind of have to earn having a work-life balance. You Correct. need to be worth that $100,000 salary. You need to have production. You need to be yeah. great with clients, and that takes time. So I do like this attitude of coming in humble, mm-hmm. maybe not demanding right. A, right. A, a whole set. Like, you haven't earned that yet. Right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. I really That part I love. <laughs> um, can you tell me... The last thing I'll ask you is, like, what piece of advice do they need to hear from you in general about the profession or something that a mentor told you that was very, very helpful for these folks who are not veterinarians quite yet? Um, You hear a lot of veterinarians that say that they get into the job and then they're like, I don't know why I did this. This is not what I want to do. I, I would not recommend anybody do this. Boy, if if you don't want to do it once you've gone and put in all the the time and effort, get out. Don't don't waste anybody's time because you're not going to be a good veterinarian. You're not going to be a good person that people are going to trust. Decide and change. Maybe it's research. Maybe it's not the hands-on. You know, maybe there's another public health or there's another aspect of it. But if this is what you're born to do, I can't see myself doing anything different. Love what you do. You'll never work a day in your life. I read that quote somewhere and I have said it so many times because I love going to work. I love seeing my animals. I love giving puppy vaccines. I love checking ears. You know, yeah, some days are, for lack of a better term, boring, but who can't, who cannot say no to hugging a puppy? I mean, it's just, you know, you may have a euthanasia, but I can guarantee you the next appointment, whether it be that afternoon or the next morning, is going to be a puppy or a kitten, or you're going to get a card in the mail that says, thank you for what you do. Um, but you just have to, you have to be proud in what you're going to do and, and every day live it the best you can. Oh, I'm just so happy to hear that. You love to hear a person who loves their profession. Um, so I'm really excited for all of these pre-vets who have been listening to this podcast for six plus seasons nice. are, are, uh, I think they are born to do it too. You awesome. know, they are born to do it and they, they might be applying, uh, at your position someday. There we go. <laughs> Send them on. <laughs> well, thanks Dr. Fagan for being on the show today. I really Thank love talking about so work-life much. balance. I'm glad you took time off of your job to come yeah. to Gainesville to talk to me. And I'm Alex Alvino and we'll talk to you soon. It I was a blast. I want to say I'm shocked that it's your 30-year vet school reunion because you look amazing. <laughs> like, Kyle, you have good genes, Kyle, if you're listening to this. <laughs> Thank you.